This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We have a standing joke in our house. There's a commercial about some supplement called Dupixent, and the announcer says, don't use Dupixent if you're allergic to Dupixent. And we're always like, oh, really? Uh, It's like, don't eat ring dings and yodels if you're trying to lose weight. Well, along those lines, it may be just a little obvious if I were to start out saying, don't lose three in a row to Miami if you're trying to stay in first place. But certainly the Mets couldn't, and they didn't. If nothing else, his ball club is proving it is not allergic to Dupixent. A 5-3 win in Miami that we'll get into in a moment. Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh yeah, Mets in the morning Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing While coffee is brewing now Here's Josh Lewin A scoodly down Well, the Mets winning percentage the last six weeks Ranking 22nd in the majors But until this week, it hadn't really hurt them that much Because the Phillies were not winning yet, but now they are It was starting to hurt With the Mets losing 5 of 6 But Wednesday night, they found a way They got it done. Josh Lewin with you. This is what we do. We, that is I, uh, blather on for maybe 15 minutes about all things Mets, latest game news, latest thoughts, latest reasons to develop a Woody Allen-esque kind of angst that only Met fans can wear correctly. Uh, Then there's usually a highlight or two from WCBS's game call, snippets of interviews from Luis Rojas for a player, usually a couple horrible puns. That's what to expect. Somewhere around 20 minutes total will get you up to speed. Hope I can deliver. And if not, the grouch line is open. Let's talk pitching heading into the game Wednesday night. The last Met starting pitcher to record a win is still Tyler McGill on July 23rd. That's 13 games ago. The offense had scored three or fewer runs seven out of the last 10 games. Some good news. Robert Gisellman is ahead of schedule Uh, Maybe coming back sooner than later. That would be nice. Edwin Diaz, we have to tell you, is on paternity leave right now. Jake Reed added to the roster, his wife on the U.S. Olympic softball team. Fourth organization of the year for this guy. Actually started a game for the Dodgers a couple months back and did okay. 28-year-old right-hander. Not Jacob deGrom. This is Jacob Reed. The other Jake, not back until probably Labor Day or so. Uh, You guys ever noticed, by the way, how many movie characters have been named Jake? Molly Ringwald's crush in 16 Candles was a Jake. One of those vampire dudes from the Twilight thing was a Jake, I think, or Jacob, anyway. The Tom Berenger character in Major League, one of the Blues Brothers. There was a Jake in The Rescuers on TV. There's Jake the Dog. There's Jake from Two and a Half Men, Jake and the Fat Man, etc. What was I talking about? Oh, uh, def- I want to talk defense, too. Did you know the Mets rank first in defensive runs saved in the majors this year, they got 52 of them. Brewers are next with 49. Javi Baez should only help that grow even better. And I know DRS is not a perfect stat, but I kind of like it. Quantifies a player's entire defensive performance, trying to measure how many runs they actually save. It takes into account errors and range and outfield arm and double playability. Uh, the Mets these last several years have been bottom of the barrel 
in that regard this year they are first finally want to talk speed too uh stolen bases not many for the Mets this year Mets 27 only the Reds fewer Marlins had 76 coming into this game only the Padres had more but this game would actually feature base running Pete Alonso stole a base featured defense so uh, with that as a teaser let's get to it the Wednesday ball game Carlos Carrasco on the mound the comeback from leukemia, thankfully complete last year. The comeback from a simple injury complete this year. Former Phillies prospect. We always think of him as a lifelong Cleveland Indian, but no, he started with the Phillies, dealt with uh, a couple others in that big Cliff Lee deal many years ago. This is a guy that for eight years in the AL had the seventh best strikeout percentage among AL starters. Now here's his second National League start. Matchup against former White Sox farmhand Zach Thompson, like Tyler McGill, a 6'7 right-hander, like former Met Dylan G out of the University of Texas, Arlington. 2.3 ERA for this guy, coming in having pitched already at Wrigley, Fenway, and Yankee Stadium. Three iconic ballparks to start his career. In the game at Yankee Stadium, the only run he allowed was on a home run to Anthony Rizzo. Mets loading their lineup up with lefties. So, for example, J.D. Davis on the bench to begin. He's battling a hand thing anyway. Uh, Top of the second, it wasn't pretty, but the Mets did get three runs. Bases loaded, nobody out with Smith, Baez, and Conforto all reaching base. VR and RBI ground out. Nito grounds into a fielder's choice, but Baez does his wacky matrix thing, avoids the tag at home plate. Everybody's safe. Then Carrasco follows with a bunt back to the mound. They try for the double play, and instead Thompson guns the ball in the center, so Conforto scores. Three runs coming in on three ground balls to the infield, but... No one's in a position to complain these days. Baez's slide was the best part of the inning. And I ripped this from a a Cubs message board. A fan, Cubs fan, commented thusly. He said, to me, the true magic of Baez is he did things none of us had ever seen before. Tagging someone at second base had been static for 100 years, and now kids are trying to emulate a Javi tag. His base running slash swim slides are things we never saw before, at least not at this volume. This game is supposed to be fun and entertaining, and Javi is like a fast and the furious movie marathon. While he will drive you nuts sometimes, at least once a week you shake your head, mostly in disbelief, but I still love watching him, and I will miss him. Slow clap. Well played, sir. Very well expressed. Baez may well head to third base, by the way, not second. When Lindor finally comes back, there's a thought about that, because Baez is a stud wherever you put him. McNeil is simply more comfortable at second. So maybe no dazzling up the middle DP combo after all, but the potential for some Adrian Beltre, Elvis Andrews style fun at short and third between Lindor and Baez, if that's where it ends up. Anyway, Mets stayed up 3-0 with Carrasco scattering three hits through four shutout innings. The fish got to him in the fifth. The pinch hit from Dutchess County's own Joe Panic, bringing home a run to slice into the lead. Jazz Chisholm followed with an RBI fielder's choice, so it's 3-2. The run's charged to Carrasco, but allowed by Aaron Loop, who's been so good this year, but he couldn't twist the tourniquet on this one. Marlins tied it in the bottom of the sixth. Jesus Aguilar, the former Brewer in Ray, National League RBI leader, a long home run off Familia, his 19th homer of the year. But... The Mets have a home run hitter as well. Usually you'd say, oh, sure they do, Pete Alonzo. Well, yeah, but the new guy, he can hit him too. Mets three, Marlins three, eighth inning. One ball, two strikes pitch. Baez hits one in the air, deep to right. Back for it goes De La Cruz. It's gone! Home run, Javier Baez to the opposite field. 
Baez gives the Mets the lead. It is four to three in the top of the eighth. And boy, do the Mets need that. Wayne Randazzo with the call on WCBS. Baez chirped at or over the Marlins dugout, too, as he rounded third. One more run came in that inning. Conforto had gone the other way with a single off a slider, and he would add a booming double later in the game. A great sign for Conforto. Eventually, he scored on a passed ball this inning. The Mets, though, would leave the bases loaded, as they had also done in the seventh, and then they would leave two on in the ninth. Would that be costly? Trevor May on to close with Diaz off on paternity leave. That two-run cushion worked out fine. May locks down the save. Mets improved to 56-51. and 51. They stay one and a half up in the NL East. Mets out hit the Marlins 11-7. Marlins made three errors in the game. Mets made none. Castro the win and relief 3-3 three and three in a game that took 3-33 to play. After the game, El Mago, Javier Baez talked to the media. You know, it's just it's exciting, obviously, um, you know, and when it's late in the game. <clears throat> um, but we, we, we're feeling good. I'm trying, you know, trying to get, get used to these, these guys and, and, you know, see what I can learn from, from them. And, and, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been really good. It's been, it's been the communication. It's, it's been good in the clubhouse. Um, but, yeah, it, it just feels great to, to hit the ball hard um, late in the game. In that second inning, can you just take us through everything that goes into – making that play happen on that slide. Uh, you know, at what point are you kind of consciously thinking about it and then what's the key to executing it in the moment? Um, I don't know. It's, it's, I think sometimes it just depends <clears throat> how fast the ball or, or um, how long the ball beats me, beat me to the, to the back. Um, I just I honestly don't plan. I just react to it. Um, I don't know. I just, I just switch my hands. I, I really, I really don't know how to, how to explain it, but, <clears throat> you know, it just inters, inters from, from me. All right, so there's a little bias for you. And now, a quick word from the skipper as well. Hey, Luis, you know, I would imagine this is the type of night that, that you guys thought about when acquiring Javi Baez. Uh, you know, when you look at, at everything he was able to do, um, what, what, I guess, stood out to you the most about his night overall? And this guy's a special player. I mean, if... I mean, of course, the home run uh, uh, for me is is the biggest highlight, of course, right? He, to to take the lead, um, but the 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 slide at home plate—that's, I mean, you forget about these things, right? I mean, it, for me, it's a short out just with the timing of the play, and then next thing you know, you see his hand touching the play before they tag in. So, I mean, he's a special player. He can beat you. He, he can beat you in so many ways, and defensively, he makes some plays look easy. They're not. I mean, they hit some bullets at him and. He was just on his toes, just ready to catch him. So, um, outstanding player. I mean, that's that's where he shows up. He can show he can show up in any area, and he can he can beat you. You mentioned uh, how you, you thought in real time that it was a, a sure out just based on the timing of the throw. Did you see it clearly from your vantage point that he had touched home plate, or were you somewhat surprised when you see Angel Hernandez make the safe call? No, I don't know. I don't know where that hand came from. Where, from my angle, I mean, I'm. <laughs> You got a catcher tagging a, a runner in, in with the timing of the play and the throw everything and probably the runner not even getting to the plate. And next thing you know, I see a hand just reaching the uh, the plate and, you know, he gets up really short that he wasn't tagged. And uh, the, the expression in the catcher, it was almost as he did. So, you know, they, they checked it and they took their time and, you know, he does, what, he does it again. I mean, I think he's done it. <laughs> he did it to us in the past, but... Um, 
that's some of the special things that this guy does. Thank you, Luis Rojas. Nice win in Miami with the finale of the series set for today. Final few minutes of the pod. First item, let's check out the competition. And I'm sorry, this thing about don't watch the out-of-town scoreboard, keep your eyes on your own work, just take care of your own business. As Sherman T. Potter used to say on MASH, horse hockey. It's human nature to see what the other guys are up to. Remember Willy Wonka when Slugworth was trying to bribe all the kids to give him the skinny on what was going on inside that factory? Slugworth was a weird-looking dude, but he was no dummy. The whole I-never-scoreboard watch, that's the worst lie in sports. I also hate the whole nobody-believed-in-us arc when a team that wasn't a prohibitive favorite actually wins. Unless you're a leprechaun or a unicorn or Bigfoot, shut up. Just my opinion there. So anyway, I am looking at the scoreboard and the standings. And here's my take on the two other horses in the NL East race. Atlanta, the Braves alternating losses and wins for 18 games in a a row into Wednesday night. It's a Major League Baseball record that speaks to the inconsistency of that ball club. That's amazing. Nine times they'd had a chance to get to 500 since the All-Star break. Every single time in a Wednesday night, they had failed. Asterisk here, there is a suspended game wedged in the middle of all that. So when they make that game up with San Diego in September, retroactively, this whole win-loss, 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 win-loss thing will go away. Anyway, uh, until then, very impressive stat. Braves' longest winning streak this season has been four. Their longest losing streak has been four. If they're going to make a move, it might be now. They're entering a pretty easy run of schedule. they got the Cardinals, Nationals, Reds, Nationals again, Marlins, and Orioles. But overall, kind of hard to get behind a club missing its star. Acuna is out for the rest of the year. They'll still run a very fearsome lineup out there against lefty starters especially, against whom the Mets have posted a 12-21 record, by the way. Austin Riley's coming on, 1,100 July OPS. Freddie Freeman, 1,100 July OPS. Dansby Swanson had a 950 in July. They've added Rosario, Duvall, and Soler. Just remade their whole outfield. In the bullpen, they added Richard Rodriguez. As for Philly, well, besides Bryce Harper being hotter than the surface of the sun, they upgraded their pitching at the deadline, which uh, certainly was defensible. They also brought in some depth in Freddie Galvis, an old friend returning. He'll serve as a defensive replacement in late innings, I'm betting. The Mets will see that outfit up close this weekend in Philadelphia. couple items left over from yesterday. A belated happy birthday wish to Cleon Jones. Happy 79th. Also, a happy anniversary yesterday, posthumously, to another Met of that era, Tom Seaver. It was August 4th of 85, so when he got that 300th win in New York, but at the wrong stadium for the wrong team. It was against the Yankees for the White Sox. Next item. If you're old enough to remember the movie The Jerk, the new phone book's here. The new phone book's here. Actually, I should have said if you're old enough to remember phone books. The, uh, the 2022 schedule is out. Plenty of shopping days left. For the first time in four years, the Mets will be opening their season at City Field with fans in the stands. Team began on the road in 19 and here in 21. Of course, they played in front of an empty house last year. That's going to change March 31, a Thursday. The Mets will welcome in the Nationals for three games set to open it up. First dozen games, all against divisional opponents. It's going to be AL West next year for Interleague, and that means hosting the Mariners, Astros, and Rangers at City Field. Not the A's or the Angels, though. No Angels is a bummer, right? No Trout, no Otani. Also of note, 
the return of an abbreviated Subway Series and matchups at City Field July 26 and 27 at Yankee Stadium August 22 and 23 midweek games. There is an all-Southern California 10-day road trip with an off day in San Diego or Newport Beach in June. That's kind of nice. End of season is weird. How about at Milwaukee, at Oakland, then the same end game as this year. Three at home against Miami and three on the road at Atlanta. It's going to be the exact same ending week next year as this year. The current home schedule coming up next week. If you haven't heard, the Mets and Marvel Entertainment collaborating on a two-day promotion featuring Pete Alonzo. Thursday the 12th, Friday the 13th, Alonzo transformed into an original superhero, coming to life with an exclusive collector's item bobblehead and an origin story Marvel comic book. Tickets available at Mets.com slash tickets. Thursday the 12th, first 15,000 fans get the comic book. Friday the 13th against the Dodgers, first 25,000 get the polar bear Pete Alonzo superhero bobblehead. Mark those day planners. Speaking of the Dodgers and superheroes, uh, who hid Cody Bellinger's cape into Wednesday night? A 155 batting average. He's one for 30 this year, and at bats that end with a pitch of 95 miles an hour or more. The Dodgers, I know they're supposed to be great, but they're 21 and five against Colorado and Arizona. They're just 43 and 40 against everybody else. By the way, if their rotation holds, Max Scherzer pitching the opener of that series. Great. The game today, a nooner in Miami. Rich Hill for the Mets. He's pitched well so far, but hasn't won a game in two starts. In September, if the rotation fills up with healthy arms, having a lefty with a big curveball like Hill, that'll help the bullpen. Lefties have a 331 slugging percentage against Hill for his career, who's on his 11th franchise, by the way, now. The record is Edwin Jackson with 14. Trevor Rogers goes for Miami. 12-10 first pitch today, which you can watch on SNY or listen to on WCBS. Once again, the final from Wednesday night, Mets 5, Marlins 3. And before we go, let's give some love to the Mets in the Morning House Band on keyboards, Pedro Beato. Slapping to base, Alberto Castillo. The horn section. Give it up for Tyler Clifford. And on drums, ladies and gentlemen, Mike Bassick. This is Josh Lewin. Appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you again very soon. Take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.